Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2019. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. And Dom. And CJ. Oh. Yeah, thanks for Uh joining us, CJ. (laughs) You came back? I did. (laughs) I I have nowhere else to live, so... (laughs) Well, welcome to our home. We're recording in the evening... Your shell has broken, and you have emerged ready to talk about fan fiction. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you live again, yes. Yes. I do. <laughs> A thousand years later. <laughs> I have been sleeping, actually, between podcasts. <laughs> Sounds nice. Sounds restful. Yeah. 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 That's it's, kind of what the only we way expected. to function. And yeah. entirely plausible with a young child. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the better metaphor is probably that the fan fiction is frozen in stone until it emerges and lives again. Yeah. Uh, now that people are reading it again. So we should probably mention that our fan fiction is gargoyles. Uh, people can read the title of the episode. Shh. Yes, our fan fiction is gargoyles. The gargoyle saga. You know, the one. Yeah. The Gargoyle Saga. But yeah. there's like several sagas just in the Gargoyle show itself. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we're not so talking funny. about the show. We are talking about this kind of group project that was kind of a big deal of, in 97 and onward in the Gargoyles fandom. And it's called The Gargoyles Saga. And I'm looking at the seasons that exist. There's two full seasons, a third season that seems to stop. Wow, two full seasons. Cool. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> I yes. like those two seasons of Gargoyles. They're yeah. a great two seasons. I mean, a third would have been neat, but those two seasons were pretty good. I'm not yeah, sure I mean, t- two seasons is a pretty good number of seasons. So there's actually it's a, great that they just had There's two comic seasons. books that's like a hypothetical third season that, that came out uh, a few years ago. It's pretty good. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah just, I'm still really happy that they just had two seasons, yeah. to be honest. So you wanted that third season, you go read that comic book series. Yeah, just like Buffy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about that comic, too, but what I was going to say is that I'm looking over these fanfics... Not the actual Gargoyles, but the Gargoyles saga, the fanfic. And you know, like they're written by a lot of people. Some of them are written by more than one person mm-hmm. in combination. That's all very cool. Mm-hmm. I'm impressed that for the times these seasons were going on, episodes were coming out once a week like clockwork. And the organization that must have been going on behind the scenes, like that doesn't usually happen for a group writing project from what I've seen. Yeah. yeah, I was like, they must be neighbors or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they know each other personally. Roommates are real. Like, this, this shit is serious. Like, you have a season one episode archive. That's how it's listed. And a season yes. two episode archive. And you've got, like, you know, I don't know. Oh, God, you've got season three episode archive. You've got, yeah, three seasons, quote unquote, of these episodes. Which is a little confusing, considering there were actual seasons of the series. But they take place after that. And you've got, like, I don't know, 15, 16 episodes per. There was some dedication right here, like, to make them, like, actual episodes. Yeah, and every week. And in one case, they are an actual episode. And that's also not to mention there's several sagas. Yeah, like side things, There's the Gargoyles one, the Pendragon, the Dark Ages, and Time Dancer also Mm on the same website. Untold Tales? I guess that's, like, just other side stories? I don't know. But if they're told... 
Are they still untold? Yes. All right. <laughs> I, I assume the untold tales subsection of the site is just uh, like missing link. It's just blank. <laughs> you just got a picture of missing now? There you go. <laughs> it just says you wish on it. <laughs> but yeah, speaking of actual episodes, I want to talk about how season one of this thing starts. You've got, just to talk about the structure here, you've got Fallout Part 1 and Fallout Part 2. Mm-hmm. And those are sandwiching the journey, which is the first episode of the Goliath Chronicles. Mm -hmm. And so the first episode of the Goliath Chronicles is just the second story in this fan work. And I want to ask about it because I know that the the comic book, you know, sequel that came out later, Dom, that you mentioned, Mm -hmm. it also took the first episode of the Goliath Chronicles as canon. And I never watched that far in Gargoyle. So tell me, what happened in the second episode of the Goliath Chronicles that everyone who watched it was just like, nope, didn't happen, we're forgetting about it? Well, in preparation for this podcast, I did watch Hunter's Moon Part 1, 2, and 3, which is the last three episodes of Season 2. Mm-hmm. And then immediately went into uh, The Journey, Season 3, Episode 1. And that itself was really jarring. Because they changed everything. They changed the animation staff. They changed the, the directors. The voice actors were the same, but that was the only thing. And the quality whiplash was horrific. <laughs> I barely got through that one episode, so I, I can't tell you about that. Now that you're saying this, I'm having like a, a, a memory that's just popping up from my childhood of yeah. actually seeing that, and it was so horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and I just suppressed it. It was such a... And I thought it, that it ended at the end of season two, but I guess not. Yeah, actually, when Tom and I were talking about this in the car, I was like, oh, yeah, I don't really remember, like, much of season three. And I think, like, honestly, I had meant season two, but I knew there were three seasons. (laughs) But when Dom mentioned, like, the horrible quality of season three, it sort of, like, crept into my brain. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, that that doesn't exist. I, I, I just meant... The other, the, like the actual gargoyle stuff. For those of you who might think that that's a little bit dramatic, I was a huge gargoyles fan, so it was quite devastating to my like fourth or fifth grade self at the time, oh, however yeah. old I was. Tell us about your gargoyles fandom, because we have done a gargoyles fanfic more or less before, <laughs> but you haven't. No. So what was it with you and gargoyles back in the day? Well, I uh, I loved it so much, and I loved the idea of clans being around the world that I created my own Irish clan. Mm-hmm. Very Irish. Uh, apparently, every character has like, a trait <laughs> that says Irish. Yeah, I was just it. looking at your pictures of those drawings because yes. you still have them. I still have them, yeah. Hanging I up made, in like, your house, 20 apparently. Or 30 of them. <laughs> yeah, tell us about your clan, CJ. Yeah. I don't remember much about them. Uh, I had like a whole, I, I think I had a whole story planned out that I actually never wrote. So I only got as far as drawing out the characters. Hmm. So they all had intricate relationships and family ties and all sorts of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it's, what I spent the summer of like <laughs> between fourth and fifth grade doing. <laughs> I like, did you say there were like 20 of them or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. I was just looking at your pictures of five. Yeah. And yeah, you have character traits, and Irish is listed on every gargoyle. Every one of them, very I, important. I liked in the visual design, you were taking your cues clearly from some existing gargoyles designs. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's obviously you would do that, yeah. especially as like a kid. But mm-hmm. it, it made sense to me. Like when I saw a gargoyle who looked kind of like a really old Brooklyn with a cloak, I was like, oh, that's cool. It makes sense that there would be other gargoyles who have some of these same kind of phenotypes yeah. as the ones that we've seen. Yeah, like how come Brooklyn's the only one who's got that beak, you know? Exactly. 
Uh, that. In preparation, I also rewatched um, Awakening one through five, which is the first five episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in it, it, in the original cast, Castle Wyvern, they have like a bunch of gargoyles in the background, and they do have different phenotypes and things. And you just realize how just the ones that survive are just really a, a random assortment of gargoyles in this world. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they really do have designs for all of them. I was watching um, uh, City of Stone, I think it's called where you watch uh, Demona's through Demona's natural lifespan. And right. even then, they meet up with some other Scottish gar- gargoyles, and they, they knock out the character de- design every time. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Are there other little Lexingtons who can't properly fly or don't have, like, those wings? I don't remember. Are there other Bronxes? You designed another, like, gargoyle dog. Garhound, did, yeah. whatever, yeah. Mm-hmm. There were other uh, gargoyle dogs in the show. Okay, good, good. I'm glad, because that makes it much less distressing. <laughs> <laughs> there, were, there was a Japanese one. Yeah. Did it look like a, you know, like food dog statue? Because that would have been great. I don't remember. I think it had really big ears. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't gotten around to rewatching the Avalon stuff. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that would make sense. Like, it definitely looked different. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. You know, the gargoyles being based on statues, you'd think. They do embody all of these archetypes. It's the cool thing about the whole series is they kind of do that very well. I do remember the British ones had, like, some of them looked like griffins. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I think yeah. the guy's name was Griff. <laughs> <laughs> now that I think about it. <laughs> it was educational, if anything else. <laughs> I'd like to back up one more time to my question, but turn it around. Hmm. Because, again, this uses the journey as part of its continuity. And, Dom, having just rewatched those episodes... Yes. I guess I should ask, what is it about the journey... If the, if the quality difference is so jarring just going into season three, why do you think these fans and also the later comic book writers were willing to accept that first episode as part of their, you know, canon? I think they wanted to talk about the Quarrymen. Uh-huh. Because the Quarrymen were a stand-in for, um, I mean, the clan, you know, yeah. for um, white supremacist groups. And that was something they wanted to tackle in the in the conversation. And that's the first appearance of the Quarrymen as that group. Yes. I mean that's clear from having read it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was a I was wondering. I, I watched it and because of that I skipped reading it. How was reading the transcript? I mean the easiest part of, of reading it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Least amount of information. Still a little awkward because it just read like it was supposed to be a very weird television script. Mm. Like, it read fine, yeah it was Smooth yeah, reading. it's a good transcript. Well, yeah, it was fine. I, I still feel like there were like a little, there was a little bit of awkwardness in it because you shift from the first chapter, which has so many great descriptions, to the second chapter, which is just like Castaway, Vinny, Castaway. You know, like you just have these characters' names being read very rapidly. It, mm. it felt really stilted, I guess. Well, for you listening to it as like a read aloud in your car, that must definitely be the case, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely hell of with them. It was kind of a relief for me. I was just like, Oh look, you know, typical three act screenplay style. Mm. I could mm. just sweep through it and fill in the blanks because 'cause I've seen the show, so I was like, Alright. I was thinking the script wasn't too bad. It probably might be better to read it than watch the episode. (laughs) That's true. We didn't suffer from bad animation. No. I I mean, it's not necessarily bad, but it's not Gargoyles. Mm -hmm. Gargoyles animation was amazing. I mean, just looking... (laughs) It was funny because if you looked at the animation credits of a a Gargoyles episode, there was a lot of Japanese names. And that immediately changed in season three. (laughs) Mm. Like, the, the director, the art director left. It was a different art director... 
probably a different voice director too, because like the performers were okay, but the I don't know. <laughs> Now, CJ, you mentioned that script being easy reading compared to what came before, and I definitely had the same kind of reaction. When I was first planning this out, I looked at the lengths just in terms of word count. I was like, oh, we can probably read five of them. And then I started reading the first chapter of this, and I was like, ah, the information density here is killing me. Like, it's not that it was bad. It's just that it was not an easy read for me. Exactly. Like, I couldn't point at it and be like, you know, this is bad writing or this is... X, Y, and Z, you know, structurally, it was, you know, fine, but it was just so dense, and it was like, this is how this person is feeling right now, and this is how they're processing it, and I'm just like, I don't care that much. <laughs> like, yeah. to move the plot along, please. Like, I, I, for me as a reader, plot and character are about equal. Like, I, I want... I feel like the perfect plot is a plot that moves along as the character arc moves along and they inform each other. And this was just, like, too much character, not enough plot. Mm. So. Yeah, I, I feel very similarly about the first story, and I don't know if it's exactly necessarily about too much character either. I feel like it's a little bit of redundancy. Like, there's just kind of character information that if you've, you know, this is supposed to be a a new season of Gargoyles. If you know Gargoyles, like, you should know these things about the characters. There's some stuff about Goliath and Elisa's relationship, and they try with that, but a lot of it just feels like it doesn't proceed to a point. It's just like a reiteration of facts that are known, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the plot of these chapters. Um... Uh, we're just going to have to do an outline because a lot of things happen. Mm -hmm. But even before that, this first chapter is called Fallout Part 1. The authors, um, I think it's a lot of authors. You can just look it up on the website. I'm not even going to (laughs) bother. A lot of people worked on this. Mm -hmm. It's really, really falling out of Hunter's Moon. So, Dom, what were the main things really quickly that happened at the end of Season 2, Hunter's Moon? Uh... (laughs) Too many things? Well, it was also pretty involved when they... Well, like, the interesting thing about um, Gargoyles was normally with a TV show, the pilot episode is always a bit um, scattered and not that interesting. Um, Gargoyles' first episodes was a five-part miniseries, which could have really stood on their own. Mm-hmm. So they know, they tell a, a longer story pretty well. And so Hunter's Moon is a three-part story, too, where he kept on um, flashing back to Demona's time fighting with the, what was their name, the Clan Wars? The, Scottish, the, the the hunters, who were a family. Is it Canmore? Canmore. I was thinking it was a clan. So <laughs> the Canmore. Yeah, the we'll Canmores. Canmore, yeah. And and I uh, just like acquiring things over the years, and then the Canmores appear in modern day, and <clears throat> they do things to infiltrate society to look for the prey, the the, the gargoyles, and they fight. Okay. And, and at the end of that the existence of gargoyles becomes public because well, people see them, right? There's three Canmores. One of them infiltrates the police department. One of them infiltrates uh, Demona's company. One of them infiltrates the, the media. And at one point, they're like, we want to find the, the find the gargoyles. The easiest way to do it is just get on camera and say, hey, there's gargoyles. Everybody look out look out for them. I see. So they, so they blow the top and lift the veil. <laughs> okay. And so that's what Fallout Part 1 is largely concerned with. And also they um, 
they nuke the police station. They, they shoot a missile mm. into the bell tower mm-hmm. on top. Okay. <laughs> Minor detail. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember reading something about that in the fanfic, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the fallout from Hunter's Moon is um, th- th- there's missiles to the police station. The police have to cover f- for, ha- have to account for the existence of goggles to the general public. Mm-hmm. And Demona tried to use magic and a plague to destroy all of humanity. Oh, does that happen? Does she do it? Uh, barely. <laughs> Almost. Uh, she actually uses a... Part of it was using a, a magic gargoyle statue called the Praying Gargoyle to protect gargoyles from this plague, and Goliath smashes that, so she abandons the plan. Oh, that's interesting, because we get a backstory for the Praying Gargoyle in the fifth episode here that I skimmed. Yeah, which is why I brought it up. That's pretty interesting they brought it back. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, then in this fanfic, Fallout Part 1, it really is... Tori, like you said, kind of a lot of setting the scene, it seems like. Yeah. And it's interesting because it needs to set the scene even just for the episode, the journey that they're going to lift straight. Mm-hmm. But so what happens? Like, Xanatos is saying like, hey, I'm your friend, and I'm your friend now, and everybody settle into my <laughs> castle, and you can totally trust me. Uh, that's a thing. No, yeah. yeah. We don't trust you, but... Fine. <laughs> but we don't trust you, but you have a nice place. Yeah, you have our place. So. <laughs> You've been the super smart bad guy for two seasons. We don't trust you at all. It's like, guys, you, you saved my son. I just want to be a dad now. Let's just stop the supervillain stuff. I'm like, eh, we don't, we don't, we, no. Xanatos, no. It's right. like, where else yeah. are you going to go? Everybody yeah. knows about you, and they're like, Fair yeah. point. Yeah. And it's especially Maza who doesn't trust him. So that, that's also how the second season ends is they all come back to to the castle, which is still Xanatos' hideout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have some helpful artwork. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Only a of, couple of pieces. Of just, really in the funny, first one, yeah. it's just of Owen. It's <laughs> kind of like a silly looking, yeah, picture of Owen that... Uh, is like very two dimensional and surrounded by angry looking press. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Like, a, it looks like a lot of girls. I don't know. I kind of like. I kind of like him. How he's depicted. Yeah, I think it's yeah. Captures his. It's a essence. good expression. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the funny part about this one, though, too, is that you really don't get this interaction with Xanatos until like halfway through the fic. Like the first part is all Elisa and her dad. Yeah, okay. and her dad's basically like. How about you move away from New yeah. York? Let's go to Arizona. Right. She's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good summary like, of like a whole lot of words. I yeah, just, when the I was first reading half, this, right? I kept thinking about the old strunk and white, you know, piece of advice, which is cut out useless words. And I was just like, <laughs> most of this is useless words. Yeah. He's concerned about her safety. Mm-hmm. She's concerned about the Cargill's safety. And also, this is, like, her home and her job and her career. And, uh, yeah. and hey, she's survived so far. Oh, and and I, also, her sister published a paper or something. And also this. And I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, a lot of it's I, also what they're watching on TV as they're meeting together in a diner. And, it, and some of that's, like, supposed to be exposition. But, yeah, it's, like, literally the first half. Yeah. So... Useless words, agreed. She's watching TV a lot, and I'm like, am I supposed to care about the attitudes of various newscasters towards the gargoyles as much as she seems to care about it? Yeah, she knows them all so well, and she's, like, thinking about each of them and their, like, daily habits as she watches them on TV, and I'm like, okay, well. She's plugged in. Yeah. She's plugged in. There's one thing I will say that, like, I think it reflects the cartoon show well to have the newscaster element. Like, to have it so present was, like, a little much. I mean, 
Does it make sense because the gargoyles are all over the news? Yes. Um, I just think it could have been pulled off a little bit better and more concisely. Totally agree. The other main threads here are that the police are forming a gargoyles task force to look like they're doing something. Because everyone's like, what are you going to do about the gargoyles? And the police are like, yeah, we'll look into it. <laughs> <laughs> Matt is put in charge, that being Eliza's partner, yeah, uh, is put in charge of that task force. I think at this point we don't yet learn what role she's going to have in it. But we'll learn soon enough. She's basically not a part of it. Now, they mentioned that, yeah, that... Uh, Bluestone is in charge of the task force and Eliza's officially out of it. Right. And she's not happy about that. She's not happy about it. But But it's probably a smart thing to do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And also like Matt's trustworthy. Like, yeah, that's fine. Um, Matt's been keeping the secret for um, most of the second season, I think. mm -hmm. And there's also this thread that goes on for multiple chapters where David Xanatos is trying to convince Eliza for him to like rig up her apartment with heavy duty, high tech security. (laughs) And she's like, uh, absolutely no freaking way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you're Xanatos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though it probably would have helped a couple of the sagas later. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's, a, that's an establishing thing, right? If she refuses that, it has to have consequences, right? Right. Sure. I mean, just mm-hmm. from a storytelling perspective. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chekhov's potential security. Right. <laughs> Why she doesn't... I mean, they offer to have her move into the castle later, and that makes sense, but she's like, no, because... You're Xanatos. You're Xanatos. <laughs> yeah, I mean, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just like, just do the thing we all know you're going to do. Like, just do it. Just go ahead and move in with your new boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so very, very fast. <laughs> yeah. Which we can talk about later. I mean, they've been flirting for a while, I guess. But yeah. But still, they haven't been going out yeah. for, like, not an episode even. <laughs> <laughs> He's been asleep for, like, longer than their relationship has been long. Definitely. So. Um, I guess there's a scene where Owen gets kind of, is having to deal with everybody's requests for, like, living, and that includes, like, Fox and baby, what's his name, baby Alex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, various gargoyles. And he has a moment internally where he's like, why am I putting up with this? And he's like, oh, yeah, because Oberon will totally tear me in half if I do not do this thing that he wants me to do. Yeah. That's why. I appreciate Owen as a character more after the the whole Puck reveal. Yeah. (laughs) Me too. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was kind of like a really interesting point of the whole series, right? Like, a lot of this stuff is rooted in, like... uh, I guess, British folklore and, like, a lot of, you know, Midsummer Night's Dream type stuff. But that reveal always was, like, super fun to me as a kid and super, like, that same sort of mystery that you always wonder about, like, what does this mean? But it made things much more funny in retrospect once you realize that Owen is a constructed character that Puck made up. Yep. Right. To be as human as possible. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 It's great. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely, by far, my favorite character, Puck Owen. Mm-hmm. And super mysterious for me as a child, super amazing and fun to me as an adult, like, Shakespeare and folklore-loving type human. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that was a big draw for me, because I've always loved mythology. Just having Avalon yeah. and the mm-hmm. Round Table be kind of brought into what was at the time, like, popular media. Amazing. I loved it. Uh, and I think they pulled it off really well amongst 
so many other things they were trying to do at the time in this show, which was a lot. They brought like a lot of, you know, Native American mythology mm-hmm. and Japanese and stuff. Yeah, into it. I made a Macbeth a high tech cyber bounty hunter. Oh yes, <laughs> why not? Immortal high tech cyber bounty hunter. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, and I like that this. Um, I was jumping ahead too much, but this fanfic draws in a bunch more names from Macbeth later on. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this first chapter, Gargoyle's settling in. They're like, we should probably keep a low profile and see how this all shakes out. And then I guess the main thing is that, um, what's his name? Castaway. Uh, John Canmore? Yeah, the, the youngest Canmore brother, who uh, during the Hunter's Moon uh, trilogy was the one that was most against hunting the, the gargoyles. He actually had a shot to like kill them all and decided to like retreat instead. And then after that, the oldest brother um, apparently got killed, and then he went into a, no, nah, fuck it, let's murder the, the gargoyles' rage. Mm. And even after the older brother came back, uh, the younger brother still decided, still kept held on to that um, destroy all, all gargoyles' rage to the point where he tried to shoot Goliath, and the older brother pushed Goliath out of the way and got shot and ended up getting unparalyzed uh, okay. from the waist down. Hence, Whoops. yeah. The- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the more revenge. Yeah. There's also another thing with the gargoyles where they made their bad guys interesting, not just all bad all the way for no reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the main thing at the end of this chapter is just that Castaway gets some mysterious benefactor who is bankrolling this organization that they're starting. Illuminati. <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. is the uh, the what do you call them? The, the Hammer Corn. Bros. Corn. <laughs> <laughs> the Super Hammer Bros. Yeah. yeah. The, the Thor Core. Thor. Yeah, I, I think that's an actual group in Marvel. Isn't it? <laughs> the it's Thor like, Core. Yeah, it's like Thor, Beta Ray Bill, Thunderstrike. That's awesome. Like, <laughs> is their enemy good grounding? <laughs> their enemy enemy is <laughs> their anime anime. Their sea enemy is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was trying to think if I could come up with some Loki-like rhyme of the Loki pokies. I don't know. I got nothing. Loki flunkies? (laughs) There's nothing. Uh, Nope. (laughs) Floki's one of the dwarves, I think. (laughs) And that's the end of this episode. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Uh, uh, watch Gargoyles now. <laughs> thank you for listening to the last episode. <laughs> we now have to retire. We now have to return to our home planets. <laughs> no. Don't leave me here. <laughs> Good luck with Earth. <laughs> Where are you kidding, CJ? The, yeah, the main thing I like about the, the like castaway sequence is that he's like, how about we just use laser guns? That seems more effective. Which is a question I don't think they asked in the show. <laughs> I kind of like the reasoning, which is the benefactor is like, a gun would instill fear amongst the humans as much as it would the gargoyles. That would defeat our purposes. The hammer is as much a symbol as a weapon. Because humans are not afraid of giant hammers that are energy weapons. Of but, course not. No. But, but no, I, I kind of like it. can't hurt me. I don't know <laughs> yeah. about you guys. I'm impervious. They can only hurt stone, not yes. flesh. No. Duh. I mean, everyone's taking that perk, right? Where they're immune to hammer damage? <laughs> yeah. You yeah. hit somebody with a hammer in the shoulder, like, it's way less damaging as if you hit someone, like, a statue in the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As a talking skeleton, I'm actually only vulnerable to bludgeoning damage. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're similar to Jarrell's in that way. <laughs> yeah, I'm sensitive. About sorry about that. Yeah, we apologize. This must have been a hard fanfic for you to read them. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
Anyway, I, I kind of do like the reasoning, which is like less chance of accidentally shooting a civilian mm-hmm. and very good at smashing statues into pieces, which I guess is a good idea. I mean, it's really easy to kill your enemy if they're frozen for 12 <laughs> hours a day or whatever. Yeah, I guess you don't actually yeah. need it to be like an energy hammer. You, you just need, it, yeah. need a normal hammer. Yeah. This is always a thing in Gargoyles where it was like, let's attack them when they're vulnerable, when they're frozen, and somehow it never works out. Yeah. It's like, uh, boy, we're, down, we're down the first episode. <laughs> fair enough. Pretty well. Okay, that is actually fair, but like from that on, you know, like people always have that intention after that and they mm-hmm. don't execute it. There's even evidence that it can be executed. Not that it shouldn't be, but... That's well, how they should have ended the series, right? Smash the stone. While everyone is sleeping. <laughs> now I'm sad. But if like I were a, a gargoyle, I would lock myself in a vault every day. Seriously. In a, a city of stone where the plotline is um, Demona does a reverse spell on the humans to turn them to stone during the night. First thing she does is just go out, walk the streets with a hammer and gun, just smashing statues. Yeah. Just a trail of broken statues. Side note about Puck. Dang. One of my favorite things he ever did was cast a spell on Demona and make her a human during the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> that was so cool. Yeah. Yo, and that's, like, the great thing about Gargoyles is that, like, human versus Gargoyle transformation stuff just makes you, like, so compelled, like, what if kind of what if I could transform what if they could transform they create this weird like otherworldly humanness humanness that is really interesting so the second episode (laughs) in the fan fiction series the gargoyle saga if you use episode I'm gonna get confused whether you're talking about the show or they call them episodes though and and seasons and all that I mean, I can't call it a fanfic because this second episode in season one of this fanfiction project is, as we said, The Journey. Mm-hmm. I don't think we need to go into great detail because you can literally just go watch it. Go watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except don't go watch it. Go watch better episodes, right? Um, yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> go watch The Awakening. If you want to know what happens in that episode, then watch the episode. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> um, right? Well <laughs> I noticed this transcript was, you know, put online in 97. Mm-hmm. When you could not just go watch the episode, you true. had to perform blood rituals sure. and sacrifices. <laughs> That's true. Or have a VCR. And, uh, have oh, a VCR. Yeah. And foresight. Oh, know somebody who worked for Nickelodeon. You had to um, <laughs> sacrifice your beta player in a ring of fire in order to watch this VHS. I don't know about working for Nickelodeon, but my uncle worked for Nintendo. Nice. And he told me how to get Mew out of the truck. <gasps> <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I mean, I was too busy trying to find Pico Blue. (laughs) Well, my dad's company helped create the the chip for the PS2, so... Mm. We also had to perform some sort of blood ritual around (laughs) But the journey, it's the appearance of the Quarrymen, like... You said, Dom, they're kind of supposed to be the clan, except for gargoyles. No, they, they wear they, they wear hoods. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and except that they have, like, high-tech energy hammers. And it's it seems like a pretty action-packed episode. Mm-hmm. Um, watching it, not watching it, reading it, I definitely was like, oh, yeah, gargoyles was pretty intense a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you also get the idea that Kenmore, the youngest brother, has had a facelift to turn into a weird blonde guy voiced by Alan Cummings. Mm. into uh, yeah. this new person. Oh, yeah, they had to deal with that in the the fanfic in Fallout Part 1. Mm-hmm. They were like, we'll make you a new identity. That was so weird. Well, because 
Because I, I, I mean, know. that sounds like a good excuse, though, if he suddenly had a facelift in the show. But it, it read, like, it read, but, like, I, I, it totally makes sense, but it read so bizarre. Like, I, I didn't we watch could the even rest. Use magic or, like, it'll yeah. be like magic. And you're like, yeah, okay, yeah whatever. Sure. I think the idea is that that's what actually happens in the third season. I didn't watch all of it, but if you do watch the first, you do watch that first episode, um, the this blonde guy's um, hammer thing has the quarryman symbol with the hunter's mark behind it. The mm-hmm. three slashes, so definitely the same person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like Cats I don't away. know if you're supposed to like necessarily read that like from the original series. Like it, it, it was branded you... with the hunter's trademark logo. <laughs> yeah, I know, but like, how are you supposed to know? Like this fanfic makes it explicit in like this weird way, but. The whole fanfic feels like I mean, this is what we fanfic. wanted it to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot of transcription. My main issues with this are some, like, stilted, like, stilted writing. Like, act one, open on Manhattan skyline, monologue, colon, Goliath. It's like... Could you have not put in a little more, like, flow to that? Open on Manhattan skyline. Sounds like your computer is reading it to you. Monologue. <laughs> like, was that necessary to say monologue? Like, uh, yeah. Uh, again, Tori, your computer was reading it to you. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was a lot less noticeable on my end. Yeah. It, it does read, like, a typical, you know, like, TV screenplay. screenplay. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It like, took some, like... Would they say monologue colon, then the character's name, and then the monologue? Like, would you need to say this is a monologue? In a script? Sometimes. Sometimes, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. People... I don't know. People have different writing styles even in script format. I mean, sure. Certainly. It just... Yeah, it felt kind of stilted to me, I guess, is all I'm saying. But I'm not saying that that's, like, a professional opinion. I I think a transcription is kind of stilted by definition. Definitely true. Hmm. Well, coming out of that episode, mostly they know, the Gargoyles know about the Quarrymen. The Quarrymen, you know, uh, are a threat now. Uh, Vinny, the security guy, gets a job in Japan. Mm-hmm. That's a thing. He's, he, like, saves them on the way out. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm a big hero. Peace. Yeah, that, that <laughs> hurts. He's in the jet program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this episode here treats Vinny more seriously than any other Gargoyles episode ever did. It seems strange. Which was jarring. (laughs) Yeah. And so that brings us to Fallout Part 2. Now, in the Gargoyle Saga, this fanfic, it was written by the same people as Fallout Part 1, so they must have been kind of written as a piece to be sandwiching the journey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's not the case for any of the stories afterwards. It's not that same team. But this one was. Um, It's not that interesting. (laughs) What happens in this? (sighs) People in Avalon are like, something's up. Yep. Let's, uh, we want to check in on Angela, and they, Titania uses magic to do that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Captain Janeway looks in on them. Yeah. Yep. And then they're like, we need to get them some allies. And the pack re- reemerges yet again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they... Okay, so the pack. I guess that's what happens, right? Yeah. The action is that the remaining two pack siblings, uh, what are their names? Hyena and Jackal. Hyena and Jackal. Jackal? Is it Jackal? Yep. Yeah. It Jackal. is. <laughs> they take a job 
from mysterious employers, which are the which is just the Corbin, right? It's not mysterious. Never mind. The Illuminati, isn't it? The Illuminati. It's yeah. Illuminati, but those are also employing they Corbin. Illuminati also made the, the Corbin, too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and, and I don't like, think Hyena and Jack like fully know who their employers are. Or care. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They get promised money and upgrades um, on their cybernetics. Yeah. I think they yeah. sort of care, like, in the sense of, like, who are you? But then they're like, nah, we just work. So, whatever. Yes. Cyborgs need to get their wiring. So Need to <laughs> yeah. eat. Energy palace. Yeah. Something. I don't know. Is Pac-Man a cyborg, Tori? <laughs> oh, hell yeah. What? I don't know, like, maybe an android. An AI consciousness. Okay. That's fair. Anyway, they are hired to retrieve... What is it? Just, like, the body of... Um, Coyote. Coyote? Yeah. Because the Illuminati wants... Not the body. Uh, Coyote is an AI program in a metal robot. Oh, I didn't realize that. I just like Pac-Man. Like, I think he was just an extra cyborgy person, not like an AI in a robot android body. Okay. I forgot specifically. There's a few episodes that revolve around it. Some of them deal with the actual coyote of legend. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, wasn't coyote at some point like a clone of Xanatos or? Was, this was a crazy show. Yeah, it was like by a, it was like a <laughs> it was like a downloaded image of somebody. Yeah, I think it was Xanatos. Was it? Mm-hmm. You know, I think about. Tylog, who was no, that was that was a Goliath cloned evil, <laughs> raised by Xanatos. Yeah. No, that was Goliath and Xanatos' DNA mixed together. <laughs> oh my god, Xanatos did so much shit. This is a like, weird show. <laughs> no, he did so much fucking shit around this one guy and his iterations of himself. Like that's the crazy part of the show. And that's why they're not willing to trust him later <laughs> for any reason whatsoever. <laughs> and they shouldn't. No, nobody should trust that dude, even though he's Riker. I don't trust Riker. I mean, especially this, whatever. Right yeah, especially. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just especially, yeah. Apologies. I know. In my head, as, as I was reading, I was like, I don't trust you, evil Elon Musk. <laughs> 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 oh my god, that's so accurate. So just Elon Musk? What? Just Elon Musk then? Yeah, I knew yeah. you'd say that. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Sober or like, I don't real. trust you, like, pharmaceutical-sounding named guy. <laughs> 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 Guy who somehow seduced Grimes. I wish she had better judgment. Take Xanatos. Side effects may include. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. just so, <laughs> insomnia, anal leakage, and death. <laughs> Turning into a stone statue for 12 hours at a time. There's a big high speed running chase with vehicles and flying gargoyles with Jackal and, you know, and hyena, and it's not great press for the gargoyles because they're just kind of like running around doing not clearly heroic stuff and breaking some stuff. Um, and in the end, they do get away with at least the head of the coyote robot, which is all they really needed because obviously, when you build an android, all the AI must be in the head. Not disseminated throughout the more armored parts of the robot. No, it's a rule. <laughs> it's got to be in the head. Because mm-hmm. yeah. that's where the brain is. And if you don't put things where the brain are, then the robot won't be able to have consciousness. Right. If you put it in the hand, the robot just wouldn't function. Exactly. Because nobody has a brain in their hand. So it just wouldn't work. Well, you could, but it'd be kind of squishy. The robot must reflect life or mm. else. Or else it can't function. It's just a basic principle. God decided that. Or, or maybe it didn't, and they just grabbed the head because they thought it would work like that. Mm-hmm. I also thought to myself as I was reading this, especially with like parts about Demona, and she's like, you know, Goliath can kill himself if he wants to, but he won't kill my, you know, I won't let him kill my daughter. And I was just like, 
Most dysfunctional family ever. <laughs> They're like super up, yeah. divorced. They're like good, fighting over the fate of humanity divorced. <laughs> It's really funny. I mean, she she literally the just tried to commit divorce. genocide the last last episode. Yeah. 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 Does anything else of great interest happen in this chapter? Like, there's more press talk with like Eliza and Matt, and they talk to a journalist. Um, there's more Xanatos talk about like Eliza not trusting him for good reasons. She's yeah. still not letting him rig up her entire apartment with high tech security. Still no. They got a bit international, a dash mm. of French here, a sprinkle of Japanese over there. Was, yeah, they, they touch in on Vinny. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, Vinny is like, oh, good. I'm really glad there's no gargoyles in Japan. And outside the window, some gargoyles fly by. That's a terrible Vinny voice. Uh, what is a Vinny voice? Uh, John Travolta impression. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And all of us who've seen the show are like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I mean, I, I have got to assume that the Japanese gargoyles are somehow going to make him lose his security job in Japan, right? Yeah. Like, that's got to happen. That's definitely, definitely going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're somehow going to destroy his cabbages, yeah. Right. But he's going to learn things along the way. Grow a little. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Titania and, you know, Catherine back in Avalon are, like, looking in on on Angela. Titania's like, I've not always been here for my daughter. There is trouble on the horizon. I do not know what to do about it. And Catherine's like, sometimes you just have to look on and hope they're okay. Pray that they have the strength to make it through. I fear, Titania said, her voice a low whisper, that even that may not be enough. It's a terrible Janeway impression. <laughs> so, yeah, but my question is, did, does she not have great magic? Like, is there literally literally nothing she can do? There's, like, random rules and stuff. Okay, she just can't do magic out of Avalon. I guess. I, I guess. I don't think they ever make that explicit. So. I mean, they had to, because I distinctly remember an episode where Oberon attacks Xanatos's tower mm-hmm. by growing giant and fighting it like a kaiju. So I think there are some rules we just don't remember what they are. Yeah. Well, I, and I know he has power over Puck in the human world. Yeah. Somehow. Through agreements or spells or. Yeah. So. Well, he's the king of the fairies, so he should have that power. Titania just saying, needs more Pucks. Perhaps. Yeah. We Though all need the, more pucks. The, Yeah, <laughs> Puck is kind of an individual, so it's hard to say there could be more. I, I don't have any more Pucks to give, so. <laughs> <laughs> As a funny side note, like, kind of the unnecessary internal thoughts part of this, like... This writing? Yeah, these, these, this group of people and how they write, like, in the beginning, talks about, like, Catherine, her reflections on herself as Titania enters the room, and she's like, oh, you know, she's so beautiful and immortal, and then, like, she's thinking about how, like, she's aging and all this stuff, and I... You know, and comparing herself to the Queen of the Fairies. I'm like, she's the Queen of the Fairies. Like, <laughs> yeah. just chill out. <laughs> you know, love yourself, girl. It's, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, for real, just though. Made me chuckle. Like, but it's kind of humanizing, though, of the Queen of the Fairies. I guess it's kind of cute. Yeah. And that's about all I want to talk about in Fallout Part 2. I guess it checks in briefly with King Arthur, and he's like, yep, I'm King Arthur. Mm-hmm. That's my summary of it. 
Nailed it. <laughs> Griff is there too. Yeah. Sounded just like him. It made me wonder, like, isn't he supposed to do something having returned to Britain? Uh, like, they talk about it in the episode. <laughs> yeah, but, okay, but... In all actuality, though, I'm sure he would have shown up and been like, well, you guys have nukes and stuff, so maybe you have it handled. And I think the King Arthur in the show was kind of a meathead anyways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, just yeah. a warrior meathead. <laughs> I say this because I recently watched an episode of the Twilight Zone revival in the 80s that was written by George R. R. Martin, adapted mm. from a short story about Sir Lancelot like fighting Merlin like waking up in the 80s and being like we're gonna take over and reinstall arthur and he's like that's not how it works in <laughs> this day and age like we have democracy and he's like what's that <laughs> <laughs> strange women distributing swords is no basis for a system of government <laughs> especially when it's a woman <laughs> Strange men distributing swords. That's solid. That's different. It yeah. is, yeah. Like it's probably most some official take that seriously. Illuminati. Illuminati. Does it have to be swords? <laughs> yes. The swords are a sword analog. Yeah. I think it's got to be a sword. Anything that represents the, the phallus. Mm-hmm. Now, I think in this fanfic, we've left the point where we've all read, right? Like, everyone got about that far. Mm-hmm. I got past this one into the next one. I yeah. read the yeah, I read the next one, personally. Okay. But, uh, CJ, you... I had a screaming baby, so oh, I got yeah. as far as I could. Right. Uh, yeah, well, that's just an excuse, if you ask me. It's true, yeah. She's a great excuse, though, all the time. <laughs> Use her every opportunity I can. <laughs> nah, I mean, we, we all kind of mutually decided that reading through five of these, as we initially intended, was, was quite a bit too much, considering the density. Mm-hmm. So I think that, yeah, we're reasonably through one, two, three. Is that yeah. where we want to talk about? Well, uh, I figure uh, we can talk about the other ones a little, because we... We've read them enough to do that. Yeah, I'll let you tell me about them, and I will make annoying and not very helpful comments. Great. <laughs> You'll fit right in. Hey, <laughs> yeah, just like me. Yeah. Ask some questions. The fourth chapter, the fourth episode, whatever, it's called Partnership. It was written by one person. A story concept by the same person who wrote it, which is actually not the case for a whole lot of these episodes. It's really interesting. Often it will say, like, story concept by this person, written by this person. I'm glad it's not made by a committee. I'm glad there's just one person right now. Uh, Sometimes, yes. Does it mean other times they have a writer's room or something and they assign different concepts to different people? I have. You know what? I probably could have done more research about how this thing came about, and I didn't at all. Um, So I don't know. Neat. (laughs) (laughs) This one, the concept... And this, the writing by the same person, Batya, the loon, sorry, the tune, Levin. <laughs> sorry, Batya. The loon, the tune. <laughs> Definitely Canadian. All right. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, what's his name? Xanatos decides to host a house party, like a castle party, because right, he's right. got a huge, awesome castle. Mm-hmm. And Clearly, that's what you do. And he makes it a, like, dress-up, middle-ages style, because of course he does. Of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, he brought an actual Scottish castle to the top of a skyscraper. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, as, like, an experiment. <laughs> why not? Yeah. It's I was fun can. for him. Yeah. 
it, the surprising thing is more that he doesn't do this all the time, basically. Yeah, that is the surprising part. Yeah. I mean, maybe he does and we just never get wind of it, but... Yeah. Yeah, well, we're busy watching the gargoyles fight him, you know, on the outside. He's, like, throwing parties. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, let's have the shit out of fun, y'all. You want some molly? Yeah. I'm just saying I would attend that party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if there was molly. With the party... He nothing nothing really important happens at the party except Xanatos does make a deal with Halicon Renard. How do you say that name? And who is this person? Renard. Renard. Well, Renard means fox in French. Yeah, and uh, is also a word for like the trickster fox figure in like some sort of is French lore. I, I'm not Probably. super familiar. But there is, like, a trickster fox figure that's named Renarin. Oh, right. So this is Fox's dad. That's who it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Apparently he has some money. Xantos uh, asks him to, like, join him for um, some kind of, like, good works. Like, well, if you remember in the show, at some point, Xantos mutated um, Eliza's brother into a half-feline flying cat creature. Eliza's brother? Yeah. But did something also happen to Fox's brother? I don't think Fox has a brother. Fox doesn't have a brother. I'm confusing people. Go on. Everybody makes mistakes, basically. (laughs) So, Xanatos has been trying to mend bridges with Eliza the whole time. Mm -hmm. That she's like, no, you're Xanatos. I need to turn my my sibling into a half-cat mutated creature that can't survive in society anymore. (laughs) That is like living in the subway system underground. So, so Ninja Turtles crossover is what I'm hearing. I mean, they're basically a Ninja Turtles. A Ninja Turtles gang down there. (laughs) Because he does set up a gang with other mutants. Oh, nice. And they probably fight crime. Yeah. (laughs) Or the Foot Clan, at least. <laughs> yeah, true that. So he talks with Renard, who's Alexander's granddad, and, and to set up an organization to try to fix the mutation of Eliza's sibling. Mm-hmm. It's also weird that his first name is Halcyon, because that's like a period of time that is historically idyllic, is the definition of that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's just kind of funny. Renard is like, I don't trust you in the slightest. <laughs> but sure. Right. Yeah, like, I guess, sure, let's do it. I, he believes in the power of the of having a kid to change somebody from chaotic evil to neutral evil. <laughs> I mean, only a fool trusts Xanatos. Yeah. <laughs> True debt. But he wants to spend more time with his grandkids, so he puts up with it, I think. Yeah. 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 Um, other things, there's a Quarryman plot. It's a Quarryman plot episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dracon is released from prison. Yeah. Castaway immediately hires him because you really want this guy, Dracon, doing your business. He has a great track record. Well, he wants to kidnap somebody, but he doesn't want to do it themselves, so he hires somebody. Right. Yeah. That's fair. Great track record, except for that time he got put in prison. (laughs) And that other time he got put in prison. (laughs) (laughs) And that time where his name is known and said on the news. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, Dracon goes with a bunch of thugs to kidnap Eliza while she's, like, getting ready to go to the Xanatos party with with her partner. Two things about that sequence. Mm -hmm. One is that, obviously, the lack of a Xanatos security system has now kicked in. Yeah. And the other thing is that she, in this sequence, Eliza's written really badass, and it's really good. Yeah, that was true to to the show, I think, in the spirit of the show. (laughs) Right. Eventually, she has to surrender just because she's really outnumbered, but, like, she's getting some work in in that sequence and it's it's great 
Yeah. Nice. She's dressed up in a fancy costume because oh. one to a Oh, yeah. They describe that explicitly. Then gets uh, ambushed by a bunch of masked thugs who want to kip- kidnap them, and they, uh, they kick ass for being ambushed and unarmed. <laughs> <laughs> they take Eliza to upstate New York. They send Goliath a message saying, like, hey, we have her over at this place over there. No, they before they leave, they make Eliza write a note in lipstick on the mirror that oh, right. says the name of the place yeah. they're going. Right. Except Which she thinks it's very cliche and hates. Xanadu. Xanadu. Yeah. Yeah. Follow me along. <laughs> <laughs> Which is some property that Xanatos owns. Where they've been to a different episode. Okay. And yeah. Xanadu, of course, is like the Kublai reference. Mm-hmm. Now... She, she's not being held in Xanadu. She's being held, like, a little ways over that way where there's a quarryman training camp. Oh, and also at some point when uh, Dracon and Castaway, Canmore, whatever, talked, uh, Dracon kind of let Castamere in on, on the not-secret that Eliza and Goliath are dating. <laughs> oh, yeah, and Castaway is pissed. And basically calls the Elias a, uh, a species traitor or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah can, can we just pause a moment... I I a lot. I remember her name being Elisa Maza, and when I watched it, am I mistaken? No, I mean different people say it differently. <laughs> I keep but on the show. How do they on say it in myself. the show? Different characters say it differently. Oh, seriously? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I always had it in my head as Elisa, and I heard Jill say Eliza, and I was just like a yeah, little confused. Too. So and I think listening back, I find myself seeing both at some point. <laughs> yeah, we can switch to Maza. Badass cop lady. Detective Maza. Detective, Detective Maza. Maza, yeah. yeah. That works. I, I just wanted to be clear on that. And so the plan is basically like the gargoyles, at least Goliath, is going to swoop in to save her, and they've rigged the place to explode when someone comes in from the air, and that will blow up Goliath. Specifically blow in the up direction, just destroy everything flying over yeah, the like airspace. Yeah, sh- like shaped mm-hmm. charges. Which I'm not sure you can actually do. <laughs> I'm not sure you can either. <laughs> Direct an explosion, like, a certain way. You, well, you can do that. On, only up to, like, destroy uh, airplane flying over a... Listen, this is a show Perhaps. that does time travel, <laughs> cyborgs, and mythological creatures and fairies. They can blow up whatever they want. I mean, maybe they, maybe they just throw a bunch of their um, techno-magic hammers together and they explode up. <laughs> That will work. <laughs> Explode up. Yeah. Explode well, down. <laughs> Explode sideways. You can shape explosives to blow up only in a certain direction. Yeah. Like plastic certainly. explosives, but you would run the risk just of like throwing the gargoyle up high into the air, and then if they're still at all conscious, maybe they could fly away. I don't know. They just ride the thermals up. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Anyway, the point is that in the main plot of the fanfic. She gets to be badass. Detective Maza, like, breaks out like you do. Well, she gets captured and taken to their training camp upstate, yeah, which is, like, a few... Which is, like, across the lake from Camp Sanity or something. Yeah. It's, like, over over there. The, the, she's at the rich kid's camp across the lake. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I guess I was skipping ahead, because there's a lot of talk. Like, she talks to Castaway, and, like, she sees, oh, these, like, earnest people who are afraid about their families, and, like, maybe sometimes they're just kids, and they have big hammers to kill gargoyles with, and... The way um, you, you process things is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, there's... She's supposed to, like, see... I, it's not like you're supposed to be sympathetic for them, but she's, like... Like, they, he's got this, like... Well, at, like, at one point, one of the racist people talking is, like, a mother upset about a gargoyle-friendly children's book that the guy read oh, in school. Oh, yes. yeah, that was really interesting, actually. Yeah. That was a strange character. Which turns out to be an actual book. That's why it's strange. Book? Yeah. Apparently... 
Yeah, they have this woman brandishing this book, God Bless the Gargoyles, which is a children's <laughs> book. It's like, have you seen this filth in, like, the schools? Yes. And apparently that's an actual published book in the real world that the author just pulled in yes. to this world in a different context. <laughs> How have I not seen this book? They, they, I know, They right? quote a few lines from it. Yeah, it's good. Well, it, but it's interesting that the setup is like, you know, uh, Detective Maza is captured, and then... Castaway's there, and then all of a sudden, it's Castaway, right? This whole yeah, year, right? Yeah. At that point, all of a sudden, this woman comes in, and she and uh, like Maza immediately thinks like how maternal this woman looks, which I, th- I thought was a little weird, but like because she does turn out to be a mother, but she's like she looks like an average lady. And she comes in with this book, and she's like, "Do you believe this filth they're showing my my second grader in the schools?" <laughs> Anyways, there's we, something we you mommies want to do. all have a mommy aura. You can. Well, it, I guess, it, yeah, it, whatever. Yeah. It just says a motherly sort of face. Yeah, what, that's the whole thing. What's a motherly sort of face? Like a woman over thirty. You look like you could be a mom, I guess. The doesn't make sense. To and me. the one quotes from the picture book. So if you see the shapes in the night sky, don't fear, for it simply means angels and gargoyles are near. Easing the earth with their gentle night call. God bless the gargoyles. God bless us all. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, it's a really nice touch from the author too. Draw Super that in. sweet. And and they mentioned the the Kublai Khan stuff about Xanadu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you must. And, if anything. And quotes. Um, I believe. Like at the end of the quote, it says like by a woman wailing for a demon lover. Then Eliza yeah. realizes what's going on. <laughs> this yeah. is very pointed castaway. <laughs> yeah. And they are referencing the poem. Referencing right it. Yeah. And then when she escapes after the, they've evacuated the camp she knocks over a quarryman guard who is a, a young person yeah she notes for a second that's like it was probably like a teenager or something mm-hmm. and keeps running <laughs> yeah so she gets a glimpse into the quarryman she manages to make it to Zanadu and basically blow like activate the explosives just before goliath would have swooped down she's writing a, a skiff or some flying sci-fi thing mm-hmm. and sends it off to activate the bomb while she jumps out yeah it's very cinematic because because the gargoyles and her are flying towards each other with the space in the middle. It's a good episode for Detective Maza, like, being an action <laughs> hero. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, how come she doesn't have a motherly sort of face? Isn't she a woman, like, approaching 30? Like, Well, to be fair, you're supposed to know what she looks like before you read this. I know, but, like, how, like, I don't understand what a motherly face is, is my main point. What I'm assuming is, uh, like, chubby and... Lined with tiredness, sadness, lack of sleep. I mean, that's just the stereotype. I know, but that's horrible. I know it is horrible. (laughs) First of all, it's completely inaccurate. And secondly, it's just silly. Yeah. Um, and wrapping up that story, like Matt was also coming after her with like cop backup, but when they raid the quarryman camp, like everyone's already has gotten out of there. Like they. I guess they must have been really, really prepared to run or something, because <laughs> they do. If I worked for Xanatos, or I guess the Illuminati in this case, I, I would be ready to run all the time. Yeah, they're a they're a not legal militia <laughs> <laughs> training in the woods. They're they're ready to run at the first sign of cops. <laughs> and I guess there's also that thing with uh, Dracon, where like he's been kind of friendly with Detective Maza and like sort of maybe gave her an opening to escape. 
well, for um, reasons. Well, like, Drake, Draken gets there, and he hands her over. And he's like, so what are you going to do? You're going to kill her or something? Like, no, we're going to torture her because we have, we're a crazy cult. And he's like, okay, that's weird. And as Draken leaves, um, Eliza just managed to get her hands outside of the mm-hmm. other rope. And, like, Draken saw that, didn't say anything, just left. Right. Hmm. And so on on the way out of this fanfic, like, when, I guess he's... He's, like, locked up again. Yeah, but he's going back to jail. He just yeah. got out. <laughs> but yeah, she's he's like, super great at his job. <laughs> <laughs> but she's like, hey, Dracon, I know that deep down you're a decent person. And he's like, yeah, yeah whatever. He's like, no, shut up. Right. No, no, you are. I mean, no. No, I'm going to be a stereotype. No, you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> That's really the episode. Um, I enjoyed it in that it's compared to the other Fallout issues episodes, mm-hmm. it's pretty punchy. Yeah. It's pretty action-y. Yeah. And like I said, it's whatever else it is, it's a really good Maza showcase. Mm-hmm. I mean, not in terms of like deep insights into her character, but more in terms of like she can be the protagonist of the episode and I don't even care what the guards are doing. Like she's compelling enough and like cool enough on her own. Mm-hmm. I care what the gargoyles are doing a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a good point. Is is the and I I'm hoping I recall correctly, but this is the episode where like, oh yeah, it's the one where she is kidnapped in that like fancy dress that she has mm-hmm. to wear for this themed party. Like, I feel like there was a lot of character in that. Like, she is like, I never wear dresses, but I guess I'm gonna do that. And they like kind of make her red on the the mirror with lipstick, and she is like, okay. And she gets there, and then she kind of, like, bucks all of that um, traditional femininity that's kind of been placed on her by I mean, not doing mention, her, her Maza thing, like, you know? Like, taking down the, the squad that captured her on yeah, the spot. Totally. Yeah. Like, but that's her character, you know? Like, it's, you know, she could be totally, like, a high femme woman and be a badass, but that's not really her character. She's kind of a tomboy woman and a badass, and she she portrays her character very well in this story. I think they did a good job with that. Yeah. And it makes sense why she refused the Xanatos, like, security box. <laughs> she is the security system. <laughs> she is. Yeah, yeah. Well, she hates that whole thing with Xanatos, you know, that he would ever try to, like, protect her, too, which I think is good for her character. Mm-hmm. And then Dom and I read some of the next one. I got partway through it. Yeah. I, I've got to say, at this point in reading this series of fanfics, I was kind of done with the Quarrymen. I was like, that's enough Quarrymen for one set of episodes. Mm. So I was happy that the next one does not focus on that. It's mostly a flashback, a Demona flashback. And it's a really cool premise for a Demona flashback. It's, yeah, it's delivered when uh, Angela gets delivered a book that turns out to be um, Demona's diary that's, that had been disguised so Angela can read it by herself without the rest of the clan looking over their shoulder. And the particular episode we see here is like Demona in revolutionary France. Paris, France, July 1793. Mm-hmm. And there's been like, in addition to turning on the aristocracy, it's people have been turning on gargoyles for kind of unclear reasons. I don't really get it. Because kill them, burn. Yeah, because revolutionary <laughs> fervor, I guess. Yeah. Gargoyles protect castles, which protect the aristocracy. Ah, but these gargoyles are the gargoyles of Notre Dame. Oh. Yes. So it's yeah, a crossover with Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame. Nice. Hmm. Um, except the gargoyles may or may not actually exist as characters. <laughs> that is open to debate. 
Oh, they, they definitely don't. <laughs> in the Disney movie, it's definitely all just a lonely person talking to themselves. Well, that's fine until that last fight scene, though. What fight scene? <laughs> yeah, that ending uh, is really different from the book ending. <laughs> Wait, I don't know. I feel like they were pretty similar. Like, you know, lighthearted, happy. Yeah, everybody lives. It's great. Totally. Everybody just, like, you know, they they fall in love, they're happy, they're friends. What was that ending song used in the book? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was one of those, like, lighthearted, like... It's gonna be a great day. Oh, like a high school musical sort of thing. Yeah, yeah that, totally. that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, these gargoyles are not the gargoyles from Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame. But their leader is named Valjean, and every time I read that, I was like Jean Valjean. Uh, Jean Valjean. Yeah. 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 Jean Valjean, the gargoyle. <laughs> he is kind of like a gargoyle. I'll give you that one. Demona's coming out of her stint in this in this story, like real briefly, with Macbeth. Like she doesn't trust anyone. She really doesn't trust humans. Mm-hmm. These gargoyles have already lost a lot of their number. She hooks up with them, but their leader Valjean is like, no, no, like all this is going to die down. We'll definitely be able to go back to the cathedral. That's our home. And like, there's this priest there who I totally trust, and she's like, you should not trust him. <laughs> you really, really, really shouldn't. So we 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 yeah, they definitely killed us while we were um, we were asleep. We woke up and they killed a couple more, and but like a lot of us got out, and our eggs are probably safe. So yeah, we're. And we're good. that probably won't happen again, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is why I love Demona. She's a sympathetic villain. She's like, come on. <laughs> and she's attracted to, you know, Valjean here. And, you know, knowing even as little as I know about Demona, like, as soon as these gargoyles are introduced, I, the reader, was like, you are all doomed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You all going to die by the end of this episode. <laughs> they do. By the way, they all have very French names, too. Um, you mean Valjean. they all dance off into the sunset. It's <laughs> Valjean, uh, Ilan, Francois, Jean-Luc, etc. Jean-Luc. 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 Jean-Luc lives. It threw me off because at some point they mentioned Valjean, Jean-Luc in like the same sentence like right, right next to each other. So I just read Valjean, Jean-Luc. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, that twists my brain around a bit. Right? <laughs> it's Gargoyle Jean Valjean and Gargoyle Jean-Luc Picard. Okay. Go on. Never mind. <laughs> I'm listening. It totally and then they makes kiss. Sense. This is so meta. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm fine with that. Anyway. So, when, when's this musical coming out? <laughs> when this fan fiction coming out? I have my money ready. Right <laughs> yeah? Shut up and take my money. <laughs> Uh, let me add one more twist here. Mm-hmm. Valjean is also played by Patrick Stewart. Hmm. Wait, what? Oh, so my they're the God. same person. Do you just never and see Jean him on Luke stage? Is played by <laughs> Liam Neeson. <or>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I'm so confused now. Who plays uh, Goliath? <laughs> is it Riker? Because that'd be super funny. Keith David. Always it, Keith David. Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> no what? Anyway, we don't need much more plot detail, but the other thing is that this this does end up being the origin of the praying gargoyle. Mm-hmm. Like, Valjean is going to... It's been hidden in the Notre Dame Cathedral, and Valjean's planning on using it to protect them when they go back. They've been hanging on to it. The problem is none of them can use magic, and he's like, well, we'll have to go out and seek a sorcerer to use this for us, because we don't know anyone who can use magic. And Demona's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just not going to say anything. Yeah. <laughs> and Valjean's like, we'll do that tomorrow. And that night they all die. So... You know, <sighs> Demona takes the friend Cargoyle is the moral of this story. Which is wow. the clip you see from Hunter's Moon. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cold-hearted Demona. 
Mm. I know. It's so hard to like Demona, but her hair is so good. It's such <laughs> good hair. I know. It's, it's just excellent. Now. It's powerful hair. I read one of the authors, someone who participated in this project, like posted online, um, Greg, Greg, someone, I guess one of the authors, kind of a retrospective on the Gargoyle Saga. And he's kind of saying, like, it was really ambitious, there was good stuff, but there were a lot of flaws in the first few seasons. None of them are stuff that we reached. Hmm. Uh, like he was saying, oh, the Quarrymen ended up being, like, neutralized too easily. Like, one of the things he complains about is Demona. It sounds like later on in the Gargoyle Saga, she kind of gets a heel-face turn that this author did not approve of. It's like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Partly because why are you wasting your best antagonist? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And partly because apparently it happens when, like, Angela gives her a heartfelt talking to. And she's like, oh, okay, I guess I'll not be evil. The password was alone, Amato. <laughs> <laughs> so, Speak friend and enter. It's just the sort of problems that happen when you have, you know, 30 different authors who have their different ideas of how characters and plot arcs should go, right? That can happen in a TV show also, too. Yeah. We, obviously, we are not getting that deep into the Gargoyle Saga. We read, like, on average, about three chapters of, I don't know, a bunch. Um, I don't count the transcription as a chapter, really. On average, two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do count it as a chapter simply because of my criticism of the framing of each transcription of dialogue. Hmm. But from what we read, we can just give our impressions of the beginning of the start of this thing. Anyone have anything you want to complain about that we have not talked about yet? I, 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 uh, did we truly hit on, like, I guess we kind of did, on the density of the first chapter and, like, the third one. We're, yeah. we're pretty dense and heavy and kind of hard to follow. The second one, which was his transcription, maybe hit on the fact that the framing of the, the transcription was just a little bit stilted, like, monologue here. I, that, that's, yeah. how, that's how you write a screenplay, though, more I or less. I don't fully agree with that, but okay. Now, if I had that's known... That's my, my only thing. If I could get through, you know, the first couple and I would get to the French Revolution, <laughs> man, I would have done that. <laughs> with the Fallout episodes, I think part of it was a difference in expectation. That it's like I wasn't prepared for, like, as information-dense as it was. Um, I think it... M- when you're doing a project like this, the authors of Fallout were trying to set up a whole lot of plot threads. Mm. And I don't know how well the organization was, but you can't always count on those plot threads being picked up. So it's like, if you're going to spend a lot of time with, like, Detective Maza's father, if, like, that's going to be coming back in and being a thing and you know that it will be, that's fine. If you're talking about, you know, the newscasters and their various attitudes, that's going to be, like, ongoing plot threads. It makes more sense. But I have a feeling that, given the nature of this project, some of those plot threads were just going to kind of, like, fizzle out or, like, not be picked up. Well, yeah, if you're going to hand it over to somebody else, they're going to yeah. do what they want to do. Yeah. Right. And, and that being the case, I think they could have used being more streamlined. Maybe a better editor or something? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Series like editor? Pointing an overall editor. Yeah, well, yeah. exactly. I, I mean, they did have one. I, I don't actually know. But... <laughs> yeah. 
it was super weird in that first chapter that like literally like 50% of the chapter was Elisa or Eliza, whatever, hanging out with her dad and then never having that really become relevant. That yeah. was pretty weird. I think you probably could have just not had Fallout Part 1. Mm-hmm. Started it with the journey because that, yeah. that makes sense. The yeah. journey, the journey is supposed to follow up from Hunter's Moon anyway. Totally. Yeah. And then just anything you need to establish for this series going onward, do it in that one Fallout chapter post the journey. Yeah, I will say. I oh yeah, sorry, CJ. I'm just saying I would agree, I would agree with that. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, I w- I will say though, like I did really like her like Amaz's interaction with her dad like it was super personal and warm and nice it just didn't seem to fit in with the rest of the story at all especially like the pacing like you yeah. get personal interaction personal interaction for so long then all of a sudden it's like plot point plot point plot point like all of this heavy drama that has nothing to do with that interaction it just felt uh, yeah like, if you can use disconnected. A, sorry uh yeah if you could use a character interaction scene to move the plot forward that is good writing but this just seemed to be like, here's this quiet moment on the side of all of this action that's happening around yeah. everyone, and then now we're going to jump into the plot. Totally. Which didn't feel very good. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But all of that being said, I appreciate that knowing that this exists, because the third season of Gargoyles was so very, very awful. <laughs> it's kind of, it's nice to know that somebody like put that out there, and they're like, Here, here's a version that we think would be pretty cool. And that's you know, it can. It's like a balm to rub on the, on the hurt. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. In terms of things that we appreciate, it is clearly a very impressive fan project. Like how much they got through. I I'm not sure that third season is done. It looks like it might have just fizzled out. But like, there was a lot of writing being done. Clearly, there was a lot of organization behind the scenes to mm-hmm. be able to get them coming out weekly for like the span of months and months at a time for these. For these things and none of the writing so far that we read was like really bad or dropped the ball or you know yeah it's decent it's really yeah. decent writing yeah overall i didn't really have any uh, complaints I-, I enjoyed it generally i also enjoyed the fallout part one actually going from the tv show from hunter's moon 3 to the journey there was a bit of a jarring jump in tone of um, the world like it did to me it did feel like it needed some world building transition between the reveal of the gargoyles to the world and the world accepting and dealing with it. And I enjoyed people seeing that from like a very uh, minutiae point from a local government organization, like a, like a police office. Mm-hmm. That's an important insight. I think that's... And clearly they agreed with you, like the fandom that was doing this. Yeah. Because that's how they structured it. Because otherwise it was just um, gargoyles were on TV. Hey, everyone, we're talking about gar- gargoyles now. When actually they'd be like a global event <laughs> like there's a lot of little details we didn't mention about fall apart one where like they're watching tv to see how people respond they have a stack of newspapers from around the world that 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 day and all of them mentioned something about gargoyles in um in like london and japan and everywhere mm. so it's a global thing now that's true I, there's actually i guess one of the good things about this there are a whole lot of details that are well thought out little exchanges between characters that we didn't touch on in terms of that, weren't they kind of saying that, like, as you, like, even on the other side of the country, though, the stories were more along the lines of, look at what these crazy, like, East Coasters are believing or look, whatever. Look what the New Yorkers are saying. Yeah, right. yeah like, they're, like, the LA Times, they're conflating it with, like, alligator in the sewer stories mm-hmm. from New York. And stuff Which like seemed very on point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah, I liked, um, I liked 
a lot of the character moments. You know, when I think about the characterization, mm-hmm. characterization of all the characters in here, I'm no gargoyles expert, but everyone seemed pretty well done. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't yeah. think of anyone who I was like, well, that doesn't seem like Lexington or, you know. Or Broadway. Or, right. Yeah. Or Titania or Puck or whatever. Yeah. And they did bring on a lot of different characters. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. like, even Demona seemed okay. Because yeah. I think that would be a hard character to write for. Try to get in that thousand years of hatred mind space. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Just redeem them. Right. You know. <laughs> oh, exactly. You just need a good talking to, then you're not evil anymore. <laughs> Yeah, the, the Demona parts were pretty well done, and I like... Demona's like that. She's like an anti-hero, you know. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Demona, what were no, you saying? No, I lost my thought. Just, yeah, you want to see Demona, you want to see Demona done justice, and even though, you know, you know reading a Demona story that her life is suffering and she can't have nice things, like, it was still fun reading about her and, yeah. you know, reading about events yeah. in her long and storied past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if, if we're on to what we, we liked about it, characterization is definitely an element where it was like super on point i liked the parts i don't think we fully mentioned we talked about it about angela and her romantic relationships like Mm. i don't know if i fully feel like i liked this because it felt a little awkward at times but i think it was well written too where like like uh broadway had this investment and was it yeah broadway this investment in her but it was like um they all have B names. And I'm Brooklyn, like, Brooklyn was into her. But Brooklyn was into her, Broadway. but it was Broadway that she ended up with. And Bronx Sorry. is the dog. Totally messed up. And Bronx <laughs> is the dog. I know. I know that I was like, I better not say the dog when I'm talking about this romantic thing. Yeah, no, Brooklyn likes her, of course, the one that's like Taryn. Um, Brooklyn's totally into her, but then she kind of ends up with Broadway, and they kind of made that like a subtle plot thread, like just like a kind of side story in it. That was um, another part that was hinted at in the show and then jumped over yeah. to the next that, episode. And that, that reminds me, apropos of nothing, the you remember back in the Ghostbusters Gargoyles crossover we read, where one of the little scenes we really liked was that one where, you know, Brooklyn and Angela scare away some like stereotypical thug off of some New Yorkers mm-hmm. and they're like, Oh, thank yep. you. And Angela's like heart is touched because she's used to living with humans and she's not used to being all like you know, hated and feared by them. Yeah, that was a really well-written little scene. That exact same scene happens in one of these chapters. I forget which one, but it's her in Broadway. They, like, drive away some thugs. They're like, humans thank her. It's a good moment. Yeah. It's, like, the same deal. She's like, why can't it be like this all the time? And he's like, it will be. And she's like, oh, I hope so. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, that's not a complaint. I liked the scene the first time. I liked the scene the second time. It's just like that... It's interesting that that's, like, clearly a beat that makes sense in Angela's character progression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. People are paying attention, and they did a good job. Uh-huh. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. They did a good job with that. That little romance, you know, and that love triangle. They never even, like, they didn't go too in-depth with it either with the, like, Brooklyn and Broadway thing. They just were like, this is how it is, and poor Brooklyn feels so broken up, but... Check oh, out the comic. <laughs> yeah, they they did a good job of like not making that too much of a thing, but making it important. And then my favorite line, like yeah, like uh, Detective Maz is like, "Are you okay? What's wrong?" He's like, "Life, the universe, everything." <laughs> <laughs> She's like, and she was like, "That sounds oddly familiar." Like, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, totally. 
But yeah, the characterization was good, and then also just like the each story felt like a gargoyle story. You yeah. know, they yeah. did a good job of like keeping the same pacing, and the villains were characterized similarly. It it just yeah, it felt real gargoyles, and it felt real good. Well, thanks again for joining us, CJ. Thanks for having me. Bringing up our gargoyles' average knowledge because I, I never watched the second season. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm sorry. I Fifty-two the episodes in that season, you know. <laughs> I haven't watched a single one of them. I've just picked it up from being around other people who have. Watch yeah. it. It's been like six years for me, so well, you're I'll not the only the, one. I'll go turn back to stone, go to sleep until the next time I appear on this podcast. Do you think that's refreshing? Because like. It's not like they sleep. They Their nervous system turns to stone, right? They, they kind of disappear for a while. They regenerate. Yeah, yeah they, they regenerate. They get hurt, and then they turn to stone, and then they are fine. But yeah. It, like, they don't exist, right? It's not refreshing exist time. I know. And CJ seems is, fine. That is how I've lived a thousand years. <laughs> <laughs> this was episode 28 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, The Gargoyle Saga, the first few episodes thereof, by various authors and published in 1997 and onward. The link to that is bit.ly slash rfr gargoyles. The intro song is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. If you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, please contact us by email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com, on Twitter at retrofanfic, uh, through comments or reviews on Apple Podcasts or the system of your choice, or I guess you could just write a letter, put it in a bottle, and throw it in the ocean and hope. One, two, three, fanfiction street. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Dom. And I'm CJ. We are just four Earth lifeforms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. Hey, bye. to stone as we speak. (laughs) That's what the sound effect is, right? Yeah. Basically. I got it. Wait, I'm frozen. I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to talk. (laughs) Gargoyles. We do like them gargoyles. Uh, Yeah. Man, I just gotta go and watch some gargoyles.